Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Delay. Welcome back to More Than a Club podcast for episode five of season two. Before we get started, we wanted to share this three minute video clip. We feel this will best set the stage for today's guest. A recent poll shows Americans have the most respect for members of the U.S. military. They hold them in the highest regard, and that esteem is for good reason, and it often comes at a high cost. Our final story here tonight is about two Americans in uniform. They were best friends, and they went off to fight in separate wars. Travis Mannion and Brendan Looney, roommates at the Naval Academy, close as brothers. One became a Marine and went to Iraq, the other a Navy SEAL in Afghanistan. Today, they were reunited, side by side in Arlington National Cemetery. That's what kind of gets me by, is just knowing that they're gonna be together. On April 29th, 2007, while fighting to rescue his fellow Marines from danger, Travis was killed by a sniper. Six months after Travis died, Brendan tried to express what Travis meant to him. I was lucky enough to room with Travis at the Naval Academy for two years. In a very short time, he became another brother to me. He was a great friend, and I'll forgive him that I miss him. Brendan did what he had to do. He kept going. He poured himself into his SEAL training and dedicated it to the friend that he missed. He married the woman he loved, and his tour in Korea behind him, he deployed to Afghanistan. On September 21st of last year, Brendan gave his own life, along with eight others, in a helicopter crash. Travis was moved to Arlington. Both families were there, the two mothers holding tight to each other. Travis's father, himself a former Marine, spoke their epitaph. First Lieutenant Travis Mannion, USMC. Lieutenant Brendan Looney, United States Navy. Warriors for freedom, brothers forever. The friendship between First Lieutenant Travis Mannion and Lieutenant Brendan Looney reflects the meaning of Memorial Day. Brotherhood, sacrifice, love of country. It is my fervent prayer that we may honor the memory of the fallen by living out those ideals every day of our lives, in the military and beyond. Travis was my younger brother by 15 months but even though i was the older sister i really was the younger sibling i looked up to travis in many different ways he always set the example he led from the front in everything that he did travis was on his second tour of duty when he was killed by enemy sniper on april 29 2007 he was courageously pulling to safety two of his wounded teammates. And for his actions that day, he was awarded the Silver Star. When you read the citations from Travis's awards and you read what he was all about and what he did, I mean, that imbues and embodies everything that the Marine Corps and servicemen and women are about in general and the sacrifices they go through for their country. And that's what Travis gave his life for. He believed in our mission over there. He believed in everything he was doing. He volunteered for that deployment, and he gave his life for us, and I think that's important to remember at all times. Today, Veterans Day, we will take a slight turn from our usual show outline. We have been cruising through lacrosse guests, but we thought for today's show we would double back, honor our veterans, and focus on life and everyday heroes. To that end, we are thrilled to honor and to have with us Ryan Mannion, president of the Travis Mannion Foundation and sister of First Lieutenant Travis Mannion, United States Marine Corps. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So, Bill, as we get started today, uh, and just to get to know Ryan better, uh, where she's coming from and her story, uh, it was interesting as we started talking. She said her father's talking to the Penn football team tonight. I thought that sounded pretty cool um, and, and definitely unique will be a word uh, we hear again. So tell us more about that, your family, being a sports family. Absolutely. I mean, we grew up, um, my parents instilled athletics in my, with my brother and I from a very early age and, um, lacrosse was very big in our house. My dad, uh, played lacrosse, uh, through high school at lower Marion high school and then at college at Widener university. And, um, 
you know, when I was growing up, the, there was no club teams. I graduated from high school in 98. And the first time I played on a team was actually in uh, high school. But I had a little bit of an advantage because my dad had me playing outside with a men's lacrosse stick growing <laughs> up as I was younger. And so, um, but love lacrosse, I actually followed in my, my dad's footsteps a little bit. Everybody talks about my brother following his footsteps to become a Marine, but I went to Widener too and played lacrosse there. And um, wow. now the parent of three kids and uh, two of them play uh, club lacrosse. And my six-year-old is uh, getting ready for his first year of intramural lacrosse. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. That is awesome. And I think uh, helps, helps a lot of our listeners relate. So uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. So we're going to lead into talking about your brother, Travis, one of my former students and players. And he was not only a lacrosse player, but a wrestler, correct? All the way through high school and the United States Naval Academy? That's right. Yeah. And his time at LaSalle, I had the honor to teach him and, and to coach him. We had so many great memories together. One of the things I remember most is just how intense he could be as a competitor and as a student. And so many people will ask me, what's your favorite memory? And of course, I'll talk about one of my favorite memories uh, later, but in the classroom, I had another one. And we were going through the Space Shuttle Challenger case, and it's not known as a Space Shuttle Challenger to the boys. You know, it's about a race car, but they don't know that all the stats and all the details are about the Space Shuttle. And it's about the decision-making. And so they have to go through all these different case studies and look at graphs and charts, and everybody gets caught up in the money, and they all want to race the race car and make more money, just like everybody wanted to fly the Space Shuttle. And nobody ever asks, do you have any more information? So the boys are all studying, and I say, all right, are you guys ready to make your decision to race or not race? And Travis looks up and says, do you have more information? And I said, well, you, funny you should ask. I sure do. So I walk over and give him an extra handout. Now all the other boys are like, I want that handout. I want that handout. And I said to him, but you didn't ask. He's the only one who gets it. And as a teacher, it was one of those few moments in your entire career. I was watching him in the back of the room as he was crunching the new data and putting it all together. And the other boys had already made their commitment. They were all going to race and fly and blow up the space shuttle, sadly. And he looks up and he holds up both graphs, one in the right hand, one in the left. He puts them on top of each other. They were graphs about the O-rings and the temperature or whatever. And he then stands up and he says, don't fly. It's going to blow. <laughs> and Everybody looks at him and says, no way. And he says, I'm sure, I'm sure. And it was like watching a student with his light go off. You know, like this, as a teacher, you wait for those moments where someone makes that connection and says, I see something different than everybody else. And that's what I remember most in my life with Travis is that he saw a light in deep inside himself that called him to be more in the classroom, on the lacrosse field, and then to serve our country. And so it was an honor you know, to teach him and to know him. And could you share a little bit more about being his sister and your youth together? I mean, I think you hit it on the, the head, Bill. There was always something a little bit different about Travis. Um, and when I say different, I, I, I mean, you know, growing up, Travis had a drive and an intensity that was not normal for a adolescent. <laughs> and I always kind of marveled at, at everything that he did. You know, I, I talk about a lot when I was growing up, when I was in high school, I was very much into a social scene, what parties, you know, what was happening. And I remember nights again, Travis wrestled and through high school and I would be going out on a Friday night and Travis would be sitting downstairs with a black trash bag cut out over top of them, chewing juicy fruit gum and spitting it into a cup because he had to cut weight. And I could never understand how someone would put that much into something. And I couldn't understand how someone would, would work so hard towards achieving a goal at that age. It just, it didn't come naturally to me. And, and I look at how he lived his life leading up to joining the military uh, and I think there was something certainly innate inside of him that that was different. And um, 
you know, it was a, it was a privilege for him to be my brother. Uh, I'm so grateful for the 26 years that we had together. Um, and, and we were only 15 months apart. So we were a year apart. I was his older sibling, but I always say that I always felt like I was the younger sibling because Travis was certainly in our family. He was the one that always set the example. And, um, I looked up to him in so many ways. I felt like Travis always said yes, or at least struggled to say yes. Yes, I'll go back to Iraq. Yes, I'll take care of a teammate who was struggling, and I'll tell that story later in the show. Yes, I want more information. And I like when you speak to the men at LaSalle and to other schools about character development, and you, and you talk a little bit about the fact that Travis wasn't perfect. He was a hero by saying yes, but he wasn't perfect. He was like the rest of us. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's a great point. Sure. You know, I think... Listen, my brother was an extraordinary individual, and but I also think it's important for kids growing up today to know that they can be Travis Manuels. They can do the things that he did. It was just that he pushed himself that little bit more that, you know, that, that people don't do all the time. And, um, but, you know, he made some choices in his time when he went to the Naval Academy. It was a big deal. My brother got an appointment to the United States Naval Academy, one of the most elite institutions in the country. And guess what? After being there for a semester, he dropped out. And, you know, and it was a choice that he made. And my parents, one of the things I love about my parents is they always tried to guide us, but they weren't afraid to let us fail. And if we were going to make mistakes, they would... They would try to encourage us not to, but at the end of the day, those were our mistakes to make. And when Travis dropped out of the academy, you know, my dad said, I think you're making a big mistake, but it's your choice. And, and he left and he came back around three months after leaving and said, I made a mistake. And when he went back to my dad and said, dad, I want to go back to the academy. My dad said, that's on you. Figure it out. You want to go back? You got to figure out how you're going to get back in. And so, um, you know, he, he wasn't a person who didn't fail at times, but he was a very thoughtful thinker about the mistakes that he made and the choices that he made. And he was always there to be very reflective of the choices he made. And, um, you know, I think it's very easy for uh, our youth today to just kind of glide through and, and not think about what comes next. And Travis was always thinking about what came next. I experienced his ability to reflect and practice. We ha it was raining, we were in the gym, and he wasn't having a great day, and I don't think I was having a great day either. So old school Coach Lay, he got super cranky, and I threw him out of practice. <laughs> and the next day, he was at my office door, and he said, we gotta talk. And I said, I am frustrated. And he said, Coach, we're gonna be men, let's go sit down. So he even walked me right through the situation, and we sat down, half an hour, we were hugging, laughing, it was all good. But even there, leading an adult who you know wasn't acting like an adult, and I throw him out of practice, and he's the first guy to call me on it, <laughs> which is great. That's amazing. So Ryan, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your brother, um, and and really the phrase, if not me, then who, uh, and give our listeners, whether they're uh, players in our club that that may may not know a lot, or their parents that are are familiar with the story, um, just just share that with us, please. Sure. So just a little bit of a background. My brother and I grew up in a military family. My dad is a retired colonel in the Marine Corps. He served 30 years in the Marine Corps. And, and um, we were born on military base in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. We traveled all over. And, and I always say the reason Travis, I think one of the reasons Travis and I were so incredibly close is because every two years we were moving to another state, another town, a new school, and I had my built-in best friend. I knew no matter where we went, Travis was coming with me. And so um, we shared that closeness. Uh, when, we, when my dad left active duty, we settled in Doylestown. And um, my brother ended up going to LaSalle. Uh, I went to Gwynedd for a year and I left Gwynedd. Again, a mistake my parents let me make. Um, but didn't go back, ended up going to graduating from Central Bucks East. And Travis went to LaSalle. And, and, and I ne I'll never forget, 
when he walked in the doors of LaSalle, I remember him coming back the first day and it was like he had found his home. And he was just, there was an incredible passion for him being there and you just knew how much he loved being there. Um, after LaSalle, he went to the United States Naval Academy and, um, you know, my brother had a lot of opportunities to go a lot of different places. Uh, he was um, an All-American wrestler by his freshman year at, at, at LaSalle. And so he had uh, a really some great opportunities of where he could have gone, but he wanted to go one place and that was the academy. After the academy, he uh, followed in my dad's footsteps and did choose the Marine Corps as his service of choice after leaving. And he did a a tour in Iraq, um, a successful tour in Iraq and came back and then went for a second tour in Iraq and actually was part of a military transition team. So he was one of 12 Marines that were attached to the Iraqi army, helping to train them. And before he left for that deployment to Iraq, we all knew that it was going to be very different because his first deployment, he was what they call behind the wire. He was on a base in Iraq. His second deployment, he was, he, we didn't even have an address we could send anything to. And so my dad really prepared my family and I to say, listen, this deployment's going to be very different. And, and so we knew that he was going to be in a more dangerous situation. He came home for leave. He was stationed in California and he came home for leave and one of the things he wanted to do while he was home for the couple weeks that he had on leave is he wanted to go to an Eagles game. We were huge Philadelphia Eagles fans from, you know, the minute we were born, my parents grew up in the Philadelphia area. And um, he went to an Eagles game with my husband. And as they were leaving the game, my husband said he couldn't get it out of his head that Travis was leaving again for Iraq. It was kind of weighing on him. And they were leaving the game and they came to a, flight of stairs and my husband turned to Travis and he said hey Trav what if I push you down the stairs and you know you break your ankle and you don't have to go back to Iraq and he said my brother who had been you know very lighthearted the whole night turned to to Dave and he didn't say anything at first and then he said you know what Dave if I don't go back to Iraq then somebody much less prepared for the job is going to go in my place if not me then who and he took those five words that we realized he lived by each and every day. And he went back to Iraq and gave his life on April 29, 2007, um, hit by enemy sniper. Uh, before he was killed, he had pulled to safety two of his wounded teammates and um, received a silver star for his actions that day. And uh, his uh, citation reads, the last line of his citation reads that every man on the patrol was saved that day because of the actions of Travis Mannion. So we're incredibly proud of what he did and, and who he was, um, but it wasn't a surprise, I should say. Again, he really lived by this idea of, if not me, then who, stepping forward each and every day. What I'd like to share is the story I have with um, our listeners about Travis, which I thought foreshadowed in a minor way later in his life. And that was we were playing Archbishop Ryan in a lacrosse game, and we had a goalie who had some challenges emotionally keeping it together. And it, right before halftime, a, goal, a player had shot and scored, and the goalie had quickly lost his temper. And he was heading toward the referee, and you could tell there was going to be a bad situation, and everybody just froze. I froze, the coaching staffs froze, the players froze, the referee didn't quite know what to make of the situation. The young man was now losing his marbles and charging toward the referee, which was not going to be a good situation. <laughs> when out of nowhere, the only person who acts is number 19, and he's running across the field 20, 30 yards. He tackles his own teammate. He holds him down. He looks up to me and says, Coach, what do you want me to do with him? <laughs> I looked at him and I said, just hold him there until we you know, handle the situation. And later when I went to Travis, I said, what made you act when nobody else did? And he said, we were in trouble, coach. My teammate was in trouble. To fast forward many years later and to know on a much broader scale that he did something even somewhat similar in a much more powerful way. You know, it gives me the chills. And you talk often about how you hear great stories and small stories about Travis's life where he's, 
he stood up courageously. And then eventually it would be that much bigger for his country and his fallen brothers at war. You know, for me, that's my story. That's where I choke up. I, I warned Marty I might choke up in the show. And if that's going to happen, it would be right there at my story. I told Travis many years later, you saved us all that day, starting with me. And he gives me a big hug and says, yep, no problem, coach. Yeah, I think about think stories like that. And, you know, I love that one because I think it's so indicative of who Travis was. But um, I always say, you know, I have the incredible uh, opportunity to speak to a lot of kids across the country. And, and one of the things that I always say is that, you know, Travis was big in the little things. And because he was big in the little things in these little moments each and every day, it prepared him to be big in the big moments. The big moments in high school were those moments out on the lacrosse field, you know, was helping out his teammates, helping out his friends. And, and later on in life, those big moments became on the streets of Iraq. So um, I, think it's, I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to think about what it means to be big in these little moments each and every day. Well said. Tell us more about the Travis Mannion Foundation, uh, everything you do with TMF. If you could give us a quick overview, um, sure. we'll, we'll get to other stuff later and um, talk about being a good teammate. So we don't want to keep you like six hours, but I feel like everything you, you talk about and do with your foundation to carry on the legacy uh, is, is what we want to hear more about. So, um, so the Travis Mannion Foundation was founded in 2008. Uh, a year after Travis was killed, we became a 501c3. Uh, we thought we were, I, I will say my dad and I very much saw the foundation as a way for my mom to channel the grief of losing her son. We saw it as uh, a small memorial fund in the Philadelphia area. One of the first things we did was a scholarship at Travis's high school at LaSalle. Um, we did some stuff down at the Naval Academy, but very quickly, uh, our organization, and I think, again, just the inspiration behind it, the motto that we were pushing forward, it started to catch fire. And, and I always say that this foundation is more of a movement. And today, we are um, uh, one of the leading veteran-serving organizations in the country, we have over 120,000 members and uh, offices in eight different regions. Wherever you are in the country, you can find us. Um, but I think the most beautiful thing about what we do is that we empower veterans who, are, who have taken off their uniform to continue to serve. And we give them all sorts of opportunities to do that. Uh, the one that I'm most proud of is our Character Does Matter program. And we have veterans who we train to deliver character education to our nation's youth. Uh, we have thousands of veterans who have done everything from just school assemblies to actually eight to 12 week leadership courses at schools. We've worked with over half a million kids um, since inception. And there's no better way than to teach the fundamentals of what it means to live a life of service than to ask the military community to come back and share their stories. Do you have a, a handful of veterans uh, that were especially touching stories when you look back over all your years and the great work you've done and you think, yes, we touched many lives and many veterans and their families, but is, are there a couple that you say, wow, that was really unique, not better or worse, but different? I would say, um, well, yes, of course, there's so many incredible stories. One that strikes me, um, local to the area is a veteran by the name of Jimmy White. Uh, Jimmy was a Navy veteran who was the facilities manager for Vanguard uh, out on the main line. And I love this story because this was just three years ago. Jimmy was running facilities and um, the painting crew came in and one of the guys running the painting crew happened to be my uncle. And they started talking and Jimmy shared that he was a Navy veteran and my uncle said to him, oh, well, you know, do, do you do anything with veterans groups? And he said, no, I'm not really connected in any way to the veteran community. And he said, well, listen, you know, my, we've got this foundation for my, my nephew. Long story short, Jimmy came 
got connected with the Travis Manning Foundation and re-found his sense of purpose. Uh, in the last few years, he has given hundreds of presentations across the Philadelphia area. He goes to at-risk schools to speak to kids. And he actually grew up in the Point Bree section of Philadelphia, which is not a, a great part of town. And he has executed, twice a year, he executes large-scale service projects and brings hundreds of volunteers to do beautification projects in the Point Bree section of Philadelphia. And I think it's just an example of what can be done when you create that community. Now, Brendan Looney's a part of the story in, in, in general. Could you speak a little bit about where Brendan comes into the story and how the Brendan Looney Foundation and the Travis Mannion Foundation work hand in hand? Sure. So Brendan Looney was uh, my brother's, one of my brother's best friends and roommate at the Naval Academy. Uh, Brendan, Travis went to LaSalle. Brendan went to DeMatha, which I would say is kind of the same school, but in a different place. It's in, uh, in Maryland. And um, Brendan came from a lacrosse family, but he actually didn't play lacrosse. He played football in high school, went to the Naval Academy um, playing football and ended up leaving the football team and never picking up a lacrosse stick in his life, picked up a lacrosse stick and walked on to the Navy team and, and actually helped lead the team to the NCAA championship game in 2004. Um, they, the coach always talked about Brendan as like the heart and soul of that team. He played with both of his brothers were on the team, his younger brothers. And what a cool thing for the three of them to play lacrosse at Navy together. Um, and Brendan was, Brendan was very much there for my family after Travis was killed. Travis went on to become a Marine Brendan, a Navy SEAL, and three years after Travis was killed in Iraq, Brendan lost his life in Afghanistan. Um, and it was devastating loss to obviously the Looney family, but our family as well. And um, Travis and Brendan are actually buried next to each other uh, at Arlington National Cemetery. And his wife, uh, Amy Looney, is now the vice president of the Travis Manning Foundation. And I have the awesome opportunity to work alongside her each and every day. Um, and, you know, it's just, um, for us, it's very personal. We're able to continue their legacies. But I always say that Travis and Brendan represent this generation of men and women who have stepped up to serve our country. And their names put a face to this generation of heroes. And I lived that firsthand, you know, as head coach of LaSalle for all those years, we would play DeMatha in the Fallen Hero Classic. And it would bring those two men's lives and their callings together at a field in Baltimore at Under Armour. We would meet halfway, DeMatha's in Washington, DC. And the young men on both team representing their schools would play in honor of Travis and in Brendan. And so you play lots of games for lots of reasons, and some mean more than others, and some are about wins and losses, but this was about honoring them, which is why we called it the Fallen Hero Classic. And boy, we had so many great memories from playing at the United States um, Naval Academy and then moving on to the Under Armour Center in Baltimore. Even a couple years ago, we had the Jets fly right over, right over top of all of us. It gave you the chills. I know you attended one or two along the way, but to watch the young men play with such honor and commitment, how the teams would arrive early, we would talk about the two heroes, then we'd play an honorable game, and then afterwards we would each pick a player who best represented Travis and Brendan, and then honor them and talk about why those players had a great day. So any thoughts about our longstanding tradition of honoring both schools playing in Baltimore? I think it's awesome. I know it's one of my dad's um, favorite events, and there are so many that are out there that kind of honor Travis that we do through the foundation, but that one's so personal to our family, um, and it just combines everything we love. LaSalle, LaCrosse, Travis, Brendan, and just, you know, I think the most important thing is that these athletes are walking out and they're they're feeling a sense and a part of something bigger than themselves and and like you said it's it's more than just a game for them that day and and you can tell when you're there that they feel that they really do and i think for your dad some too cuz i think he's a great guy and a man of strong strength and character 
I love that he rides a bus with us and wants to sit up front. I also love that he stands at the end of the bench and he would drift over and say, don't you think we need to run a new man up play now, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, Colonel, Colonel Mannion, <laughs> we're winning by two. Absolutely not. But then he'll come back at the end of some games where we had been winning by more or losing, and he'd say, can I call a play or two? And I'd say, you, sh- you sure can. What do you want to do, coach? You know, then he'd get back on the bus and sit up front, and he'd have his LaSalle jacket on, and I'd find my way to the back of the bus. I figure that's where the, the colonel sh- should sit. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about your dad? Sure. Um, I, I, I would, you know, my dad is, my dad's been my mentor my entire life. A retired colonel did 30 years in the Marine Corps, as I said. And, you know, my dad was still in the Marine Corps when my brother was killed. And it was a, um, it was a really a poignant moment for my family. A year after Travis was killed, my dad retired from the Marine Corps and mm-hmm. You know, my dad often says that he did 30 years in the Marine Corps, but the men and women post 9-11, he's, you know, he, he says it all the time. These, these men and women are doing more in two, three years than I did in 30 years of service. So he has such a incredible respect for this generation of warfighters. And, you know, we've been in conflict the last 19 years and um, these courageous men and women continue to step forward. But my dad is someone who's always out there just wanting to not just share Travis's story, but he wants to share all the stories of the military community. And he spends a ton of his time doing that. He wrote a book about Travis and Brendan, again, to share their story in a greater way. So people have a greater understanding of the, the type of character um, that is imbued in our military. Ryan, we wanted to talk more about TMF and some of the core principles uh, and gain insight from each of these. So we'll buzz through. First one, build, measure, learn, repeat. Tell us more. Sure. So these are our, our values at TMF and, you know, build, measure, learn, repeat is just, we are a, we, we take on an entrepreneurial spirit at the foundation. Um, and when we see an opportunity, we run with it. And, you know, we have an action, a bias for action, and that empowers us to be agile. And, you know, we always want to make sure that we don't become this rigid company, that we are a group that's trying new things, that's reaching out for different ways that we can serve our veterans and families of the fallen. And the second one is be accountable. Just as simple as that, be accountable, you know, do the right thing at all times. And, um, we always want to make sure that we take our responsibilities seriously and we constantly seek improvement. Um, we never underestimate the incredible job we have to support our, our veterans. And, you know, and it's something that we want to make sure that we're doing well each and every day. Purpose begins with passion. Yeah, this is something, you know, it's, it's one of our biggest things. I always say we can hire the most talented people with the best resumes ever. But if you don't have a passion for the work you're doing, there's, there's nothing that can take the place of that. So we want to make sure we're always building relationships with one another and, and make sure that we're taking pride in having an impact on the communities that we serve. You know, as a coach of teams in this day and age have their DNA, right? Their do not alter principles. And as we're going through these values for your company, I'm saying this is their DNA. This is exactly how they function. This is their core principles, stated strongly, lived boldly, which moves us on to number four, out of many, one. Out of many, one. I mean, our, our team at TMF comes from all walks of life, you know, different experiences, beliefs, but um, we believe that our differences make us stronger and more unified. And we may not always see eye to eye, but we work shoulder to shoulder to accomplish our mission. We are fueled by gratitude. Yes, and we are. We understand that anything of great value requires great sacrifice to achieve. And um, we sacrifice to achieve our goals, but we celebrate our victories and we acknowledge those who get us there. And, and, and again, it all leads back to our, our veterans, the veterans that we serve. And then the last one, I have to be honest, the, the tattoo part caught me off guard. Off guard. <laughs> so I get the first part. Failure is a bruise. But the second part, not a tattoo. 
help me help me along here okay so failure is a bruise failure a bruise is there it goes away a it's not a tattoo it's not there forever you know we're, we're going we're all going to fall but we have to understand that we can bounce back and um, we don't dwell at our on our problems and i think you know this is this value is one that i i lean on in my own life too as well you know it's 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 about not dwelling on your problems but finding solutions um, and always striving to improve to be resilient um, to be hopeful to stay in the fight that's what we always say we're going to stay in the fight yeah, which leads us right into you know getting to know you better. You once said, in the years since the loss of my brother Travis, I've learned that my life need not be defined by a tragic event, but it can be inspired by it. Could you explain more, especially in light of the last value and resiliency? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm very quick to say that I would give anything and everything to have my brother here with me again. But I think... I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate to be able to do the work that I do in his name. And I think each and every one of us are gonna hit roadblocks. Each and every one of us are going to have that knock at the door. It may not be the physical knock that my family and I got, but we're all gonna have setbacks. And it, it's all about how you respond to the challenges that are put in front of you. You can, you can let them define you or you can move forward and, and really thrive uh, as individuals um, and take that as a passion to move forward in a bigger way. You know, in the Leahy household, I'm just thinking of, of my wife, give her the credit, uh, not me. But she would always say to my kids, and still does, uh, head up, shoulders back, march on. We have girl drama in the house. Head up, shoulders back, march on. We got cut from a team. It's like a mantra, head up, shoulders back. March on, which leads us all to, to your podcast, The Resilient Life. This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. We uh, have a plethora of guests, plethora of guests, everyone from the CEO of Johnson & Johnson talking to us about the pandemic and the current crisis, all the way to Rob Riggle, who is a, um, an actor and comedian, but also wow. many don't know, a Marine. And uh, I love to talk to people that have been through challenges, that have overcome adversity. And I think, again, um, this idea of resiliency is so important, especially now with the current crisis and that we're all going through and the, the sense of isolation that a lot of us are feeling. Um, I like to say that I feel like right now, all of us are kind of getting a knock at the door. And... Um, this is a challenging time, but important for us to look forward and it's been, um, it's been awesome to uh, sit down and talk deeper with people and really hear their stories. Um, and I think that's the best way for us to learn and gain knowledge about how we can move forward as individuals. Tell us more about uh, the phrase, knock at the door, that you've said a couple times. And, and I believe your book with Amy Looney, is that right? It yeah. is. So Brendan's, um, Brendan's widow and myself wrote a book along with another gold star spouse called the knock at the door. And it was really about our knocks at the door, the, the literal knocks that we all received when we learned that our loved ones had been killed um, serving this country. But the, the book is more than that. It's more about, again, like I spoke to, how we respond to knocks at the door, to those things, whether it's a death, the loss of a job, the implosion of a uh, marriage, uh, anything. Uh, we're all going to have these knocks at the door. And so we talk about kind of giving a little bit of a roadmap on how you navigate um, through challenging times. Are there a couple of highlights there in the navigation strategy that you lay out? One of the biggest things that all of us talk about in the book is one step at a time. And I think 
all of us learned after the losses of um, our loved ones that it's really important for each and every day, no matter how small it is, you put one foot in front of the other. And, um, and we all focused on some goals, goals that would help drive us forward as we dealt with our grief. My goal was running a marathon. I decided that that was gonna be my way to, um, to put one foot in front of the other, literally each and every day. Um, but having those small goals and, and taking small steps each and every day to move forward. One of my favorite lines uh, from you and the women you wrote it with is eventually everyone will get a knock on the door, although it may be a metaphorical knock. Yeah. That, and that's just the tough times that come our way, the curveballs that we all get of our own doing or, or not of our doing at all. And so I look forward to reading the book. I flipped through it, to be honest, and it, it looked fantastic. So if we change directions a little bit, uh, tell us more about the mental health of veterans. You know, this post-traumatic stress, they come back, their livelihood is different, and yet they're stuck in their minds a little bit in how it was before. By no means am I an expert in post-traumatic stress. I'm a high school guidance counselor. So could you help our listeners understand what it might be like to be in their shoes what does it look like, feel like, sound like to them? Sure. You know, one of the biggest challenge that our, our men and women serving as they leave active duty are facing is um, disconnectedness. And, you know, a recent Pew study actually found that 55% of transitioning veterans say that they feel disconnected from their communities. That leads to um, health and well-being issues, um, post-traumatic stress issues. And uh, that's really what we exist for at the Travis Manion Foundation to provide opportunities for them to be connected again. And um, we uh, are lucky enough to work with Syracuse University. Uh, and for the past two years, they have done um, surveys on the veterans that we serve and they gauge their health and well-being scores against veterans that aren't participating in our programs. And um, the results are astounding. Um, not to pat our own backs, but veterans that are participating in programs through Travis Manning Foundation have much higher scores um, in mental health and well-being because they are connected. They're connected to other veterans. They're connected to their communities. And, and I think I always say, you know, um, it's important for us, the 99% that aren't serving to make sure that, that we're doing our part if we are interacting with veterans within our community to make them feel connected, to um, showcase and provide them opportunities to um, be a part of things that are happening because veterans are very humble individuals. They're not gonna walk up to you and say, I, I served my country. You know, I, you're gonna have to dig it out of them. Mm -hmm. And, and from there, you're, once you find that out, take it and run with it because they are incredible civic assets and um, communities should be uh, applauding the veterans that they have living within them. And um, I, I see it every day. I see how they go out and they serve, but at the end of the day, you've got to give them the opportunity to do that. And that's what we're doing at TMF. And for all of us to give them that sense of, of well-earned gratefulness. We're grateful. We're grateful for their service, that they put their life on their line, that we can be free to have our own challenges safely here. You know, and you're right. They don't have a uniform on. I don't know when to walk up and say to someone, thanks. I don't know who to send all my texts to today besides my father and say, thank you for what you did. Thank you for the service. You know, I wish there was a way where we could know who to be grateful to exactly and let them know and that they're not alone on a day like this, that they're honored and looked up to. So how about the Travis Mannion run in Doylestown, right? That's a famous. Uh, well, th that is um, not just in Doylestown, but one of our largest races. So that's the 9-11 Heroes run. Right. And we actually, I'll, I'll, I'll take 2020 out of the picture because we were all virtual this year, but we still uh, had over 20,000 participants, but in 2019, we had 95 Ks across the world. Um, 
brought out 60,000 uh, participants to be a part of it. And again, it's just another way for us to bring communities together um, and say thank you. Um, and, and also get some physical fitness in at the same time. Tell us more about the other programs, events, or some of your maybe ambassadors. Just looking around on the website, it looks like a ton of cool stuff. Like, what's your most favorite, and where do you need the most help? Sure. So I, I spoke a little bit about Character Does Matter, which is um, which I love. Um, we do expeditions where we actually take families of the fallen and veterans all across the world, um, doing wow. week-long service expeditions. I just got back from a week in Colorado um, where I spent with 20 veterans, um, did a bunch of crazy hikes, hiked through the night with them. And that's amazing. And yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome to hit up the top of a peak at sunrise was pretty incredible. Um, I traveled in February right before everything shut down to Puerto Rico with uh, 20 families of fallen service members. And we rebuilt four roofs on houses um, that had been lost uh, during the hurricane two and a half years ago. Um, we do everything from that to athletic events. Uh, like you said, the 9-11 Heroes Run. We do triathlons. We participate as charity partners with marathons. And then we have um, our service, uh, our Operation Legacy service projects, which are campaigns twice a year where everyone can get involved, um, veteran, civilian, uh, and we come together and we execute hundreds of service projects across the country. That's amazing. So when the foundation started, was it, was it you, was it your dad, your mom? And then as it, you know, kept going, did you leave other, other projects, other jobs? Has this become, you know, your, your total passion and, and purpose? It was 100% my mom that started this foundation. I always say that my dad and I jumped on the bandwagon once we saw that this was a big deal. Um, and I did, I was a small business owner. I owned two small businesses, clothing stores, one in Avalon, New Jersey, one in the Philadelphia area. And um, I shut them both down to work alongside um, my mom. Uh, and um, and it is, it's my life's passion. I, I wake up every day, um, incredibly grateful that I have the opportunity to do the work that I do. So as we get to the end of our show, people stop me all the time and they say, boy, I love the end where we do this rapid fire. What kind of homework does my get your guests have for me today? So I know we practice this. You ready to go? All right, I'm ready. Let's go! A rapid fire here, a rapid fire NXT homework session for Ryan Mannion. So for a young person who's listening, what homework would you have for them? I'm going to give them the same homework that I give my daughter, and that's play the long game. You have to put in the work now to accomplish what you want in the future. And that's absolutely what my brother Travis did. Very wise, Mom. I like it. I'm going to steal that. Tara Leahy, I got a new line for her now. How about for parents who are listening? What's their homework? For parents, I think it's find the balance. Um, it's something that my husband and I always have to take a step back and do, you know, it's important that we push our kids to achieve their goals, but we have to do it in a way that we're not burning them out and we're not becoming just this voice that's always nagging them. And for coaches or business leaders who might be listening? For coaches, I say, create an inspiring environment and, um, I think the biggest thing as a coach is if you show your passion for what you're doing for the sport, uh, the kids are will more than likely follow suit. And last, what are you reading or listening to these days? I am reading, well, since it's Veterans Day, and I'm actually really reading this book right now, but I brought it down. I am reading this book. It's called How Not to Start a Backpack Company, written by my incredible friend, Jason McCarthy who is the founder of Go Ruck, which is a awesome community of ruckers. Um, I see you're liking that, Justin. Justin likes it, yeah. <laughs> and um, um, so rucking is, a, is very keen to the military. When you're in the military, you ruck, you do ruck marches. It's not something that's set up for civilian world, but I linked up and became friends with Jason a few years ago. And um, 
He introduced me to the world of rucking and uh, in 2019, him and I rucked the Marine Corps Marathon together. Um, nice. So, and this is the awesome book of how he started that journey. It's really cool. Well, Travis, you, your dad, your mom, you know, you're all very dear to me. I know you've had a really long day. You've been speaking throughout the country, right? Could you tell us a little bit more about your, your Veterans Day today? Sure. Um, Veterans Day has been all virtual, but um, which has been great. But I'm happy to be nice and comfy talking with you guys. Started out talking to uh, 300 veterans in, o in Ohio this morning and did a bunch of um, radio interviews across the country. And, you know, again, for us, it's all about just getting the word out and making sure that people in the mix of everything that's happening right now, you know, making sure that we don't forget the importance of, of our veteran community. I know you've had a long day. I'll give you a smile to end. As I got up this morning, my son was getting ready for school and I looked over and he had his Travis Mannion shirt on that he put on under his LaSalle dress shirt and then under his tie. And he said, you know, dad, I know he was important to you in today's Veterans Day. And now we got to go text grandpa. <laughs> so That's all awesome. wrapped up in one, in one sentence. So we're very, very grateful you could join us. And it's been a thrill to see you again. And um, we couldn't be more thankful. Yes. Well, uh, honored to be here. And um, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Thanks again, Ryan. Uh, I would just say we're inspired by his legacy of service. Uh, and thank you and TMF for carrying on the legacy of selfless service and leadership. Uh, we encourage all of our young listeners, our coaches out there and our parents uh, to familiarize yourself a little bit more with um, that legacy of Travis, your brother, um, and the work that you continue to do. So uh, on behalf of our producer, Justin, Bill, um, and our amazing guest, Ryan, thank you so much. Good night.